This is Understanding Money and I am Owen McGee. Today's episode is all about a savings tool that 50% of you guys aren't using. There is an incredible savings tool that's available to all of us here. In fact, in other countries, they look at Ireland and they say, I wish we had exactly the same savings rules as they have there here. People are jealous of our setup. Let me just tell you about this savings policy. It's been around for years. Less than 50% of us use it. It's available to everybody. And what happens is, depending on certain circumstances, you're either going to put six quid in and it'll turn into 10, or you're going to put eight quid in and you're going to turn into 10. Now, If I asked you to go around to the bookies around the corner, hand them six quid, and they're going to hand you back a tenner, would you do it? I think you would. Would you do it for 60, for 100 quid? Would you do it for 600 euros, for 1,000? Of course you would. This is just handing your money over and getting more back immediately. Not only that, when you take your six euros or your eight euros and you stick it into this savings policy and it automatically turns into 10, you leave it there. You can then pick stuff to invest it. Like, where am I going to put it? Or maybe I'll buy some shares. Maybe I'll buy a property. Maybe I'll do something else. Maybe I'll just leave it sitting in a bank account. But if you invest it and it makes money, you don't even have to pay any tax on the growth. It just grows tax-free. Then what happens? A couple of years' time, you're jacking in the day job and you decide I want to give up. Whatever's in the pot, you're going to take 25% of it back out. And the, yeah, you'll get some of it tax-free. 200,000 of it can come out tax-free. The next 300,000 is going to be taxed at 20%. So it's a lower rate of tax, 20% tax. So you're allowed to take 25% of whatever you've accumulated out as the lump sum. The first 200,000 of any lump sum is tax-free. The next 300,000 of any lump sum is taxed at 20%. The rest of it, you stick it into an account. You draw money out of it whenever you want to. But the taxman's going to tax you like it's income in that year. You'll apply your tax credits to us. You'll do all of that. It is an incredible savings opportunity. What is it? It's a pension. That's all it is. It's a pension. Pensions are just savings on steroids. That's all they are. What you've got is you've got the tax man helping you on the way in. You've got the tax man or woman helping you along the way. When you make growth, you don't pay tax. And then the tax man says to you at the end, you can take some of it out tax free, but we're going to tax you on some of it. There is no questioning how good our tax system is for supporting people who want to save for their own retirement. There's no questioning it. And in fact, if you're a PAYE worker, there is no better way of taking your wages, saving them for a long term in a more tax efficient manner. Pensions are not complicated. We can make them overly complex. Why? Because there's a whole industry designed around making them complex so they can create jobs for the boys or girls. It's just savings. It's just savings on steroids with incredible tax incentives. But people are afraid of them. If I had started this monologue at the start with, I want to talk to you about pensions, I would have lost you all. Practically all of you would have just tuned out straight away. But when you think about it as just a savings policy with really, really good tax incentives, our brain starts to open up a bit. So now we know the structure What's the other reasons why people won't put money into a pension? One of the big reasons, and I actually asked this question over the weekend on Instagram about some horror stories people might have about pensions and the problems they've had with them. And there is some real horror stories. There are people who put 
like I, I got one person I, my, my father lost 600,000 in their pension my auntie put money in in 2009 it got wiped out completely I put it into a property abroad and I've never seen a penny of out of it since or property fund abroad I've never seen a penny out of it since and then there's been some really well publicised ones the court cases that have gone through the Irish courts where people have put money in and the money has been used inappropriately I'm not going to mention any names so I'm not getting sued but it's been used inappropriately and people have lost bucket loads of money let me just differentiate there though that's not because pensions are bad That's because the advice or the investment decisions made with your pensions were bad. Those people were given bad advice or made bad decisions themselves about what they put the money into. There's nothing wrong with the pensions vehicle. It was what it was invested in was the problem. And actually, when I hear somebody saying, oh, I wouldn't put money into my pension. I wouldn't wouldn't touch a pension. My auntie lost money on a pension. That to me is the exact same thing as saying, I wouldn't eat food because my friend got food poisoning. It's that simple. But let's talk to somebody who has actually been affected by pensions going wrong. I'm joined by Jackie. Jackie, thanks very much for joining me. We're in two different parts of the country. I'm in Cork. I think you're in Kildare, somewhere up around that part of the world. I really appreciate you you joining me. We don't know each other, but we had a little bit of back and forth over the weekend on Instagram. And it wasn't so much your story that I was interested in. And we don't need to go into a whole pile of detail. And we definitely don't need to mention names, okay, of companies or anything else. But is it fair to say that you had a family member, you can tell us who the family member is if you want to or not, right? But you had a family member who lost a lot of money on pensions. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. And you don't have to go into a huge amount of detail. They're not here to to give their own story. So your version of their story, what is it? Um, So basically this particular uh, family member, they had some shares that came to fruition. And so they got quite a large lump sum of money, which was great for them at the time. And they decided to put a good proportion of it into their pension pot. So roll on. Not that many years after, to be honest, maybe four or five years after, everything basically went bang and they lost the pot completely. Okay. And it was a sizable amount of money. Yes, it was an awful lot of money. I mean, something that you would, you know, a lot of people would only... Life-changing money. Life-changing money, exactly. A lot of money that people would never see. Um, Yeah, it was a huge amount of money, yeah. And as a percentage of their overall pension pot... Was it all of us? Was it some of us? So this particular person had a couple of pension pots. They were quite savvy, to be fair. But this one was completely wiped out. And were they reinvested in shares or were they invested in some other type of scheme or invest or something else? I'm not actually 100% sure because obviously I don't want to name any companies or anything here. (laughs) Um, So I'm not exactly sure what it was. Now, what I would say is this person was very astute uh, financially. Mm. And so therefore they would have, you know, chosen, I would have thought, a a very um, decent portfolio, if you will. Um, But clearly... uh, not decent enough. Right. We got the background now, Jackie, right? What I'm more interested in is you didn't go through that experience personally. You just witnessed it. So how has that impacted you? Did you Have you steered away from pensions completely as a result or where are you at? So where I'm at is I do have a pension through work. I'm very lucky because work uh, do an 8% contribution and we do 3%. So for me, it's, a, you know, I have a very... We can't just let that one go. That's incredibly strong. So if you put in 3%, they'll put in 8 Correct. Yeah. So obviously... Wow financially it made absolute sense tax wise and everything to just go ahead so I did and now obviously there's always the talk of the um, ABCs etc and for me honestly I don't want to put any more of my own money in the pot because I am worried I mean if it you know happened to my loved one it could absolutely happen to me there's why wouldn't it essentially and so I guess 
I am exploring other avenues, if you will, to try and secure because I know I need a pension. I know what, you know, that time will come and I'm going to need income. And um, but I would like it in my head to feel a little bit more secure and more uh, tangible, maybe. OK, well, let's just kind of dissect that or break it apart a little bit. First of all, that's just credit to whoever your employer is. We don't need to know who it is, right? <laughs> but credit to whoever your employer is, because effectively what's happened for you is you put in three euros into your pension. And you pay one euro and 20 cent less in tax. So it costs you one euro and 80 cent to get three euros into your pension. Assuming you're on the higher rate, and I don't know if you are, but assuming you're on the higher rate, it's costing you one euro and 80 cent to get three euros into your pension. But it's not. It's actually one euro and 80 cent. The tax man gives you 120, which brings it up to three euro. And then your employer gives you eight euro. So you're actually one euro and 80 is turning into 11 euro for you. Yeah. Which is superb. And I can see why you didn't say no to that, yeah. regardless of your family members' experience yeah. and what they have been through. Okay. On the other side, however, you have got the opportunity to pay into AVCs and you're not taking that opportunity because of what's happened with the family member. Correct. And I do think you're thinking to yourself, maybe I should do something else with the money that's a bit safer. And I know you didn't use that word. And what type of other thing? Do you want to give me an idea of some of the ideas you're exploring on the other side? Yeah, for sure. So I guess... Um we're definitely, I say we, myself and my husband, we're definitely considering buying uh, another property um, for rental because I guess in our heads we will have the capital of the property along then with the monthly rental income every month. And it feels safer because you have the capital, like you have the property at the end of it. And I know if you were to sell it, there'd be tax implications or whatever, but you can, you can feel it, you can touch it, it's there. And it just feels, to me, maybe a more of a safer option than the money essentially going into ether and you kind of don't really know what's happening. Is it a safer, and you're right, like lots of people describe that, I can drive by the house, the three bedroom house around the corner, I can see what's going on to it, I can walk into it and actually I'd bring it one step further. further. It's not just that you can touch it and you can see it, but you can also smell it. Like you can, it's literally there, it's a physical thing. But actually I wonder, is the psychology of that more got to do with, you understand this better. It makes more sense to you. I buy that piece of brick and the, that lump of bricks. There's a couple of bedrooms in it. I throw a few people into it. They pay me rent every month. The second they don't pay me rent, I know there's a problem and I go and fix the problem and I address it and I take all that hassle. But it is a kind of a psychological thing that because you can see it and touch it and feel it and smell it, that it's more understandable. Is that fair that it's it's a more understanding thing and therefore you can do it that way? 100%. Absolutely. We, yeah, like we already have a property. We own a property at the minute and we see how what we bought it for versus what it's worth now. Obviously, we're in the good times at the minute. It can all go completely wrong as well. But even just seeing the step down in the mortgage when we got our statements every year, you feel like you're getting somewhere with it. Whereas I guess with the, the pension, you just can't see it. You just don't really know where it's at. And I think if we break it really down, if you think about it, if you can think of a business, any business, you know, or even your favorite restaurant, right? If you look at your favorite restaurant, you walk into your favorite restaurant and you can see, oh, there's the chef and there's the front of house staff and there's the manager and there's the owner, right? And you can walk around that and you can see it. And then if your restaurant set, turned around to you and said, do you want to buy a tiny, tiny bit of us? If you give us some money, you'll participate in the profits of this restaurant. And you might say, oh, there's a bit of risk in that because it's one family or it's one manager and one owner and it could go wrong. Now, that's the start of the understanding of what you're doing when you're buying shares, right? Because what you're doing when you're buying shares is you're actually taking thousands of companies. You're buying a tiny bit of the biggest companies you could ever imagine in terms of GE and Tesla and Disney and Coca-Cola and everything else. It was a really good, it was a buddy of mine who's also a financial planner told me a story about he was sitting with the CFO of a global company. Right. And we won't identify them in any way. Right. But a global company sitting with them, he was doing a, his annual review with him and he goes, CFO goes, you know what? I'm just a little bit worried about where the markets are at right now. I'm a bit concerned about where they're going to end up. And 
I'm just not going to put any money into the market at the moment. I'm not going to buy any shares at the moment. And my buddy, who's a financial planner, turned around to him and says, well, hold on a second there, though. If the world goes wrong, are you guys prepared? Like, you're one of the biggest multinationals in the, in the world. In fact, you're the CFO. Oh, no, we'll be okay because we'll do this, 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 this. And we'll actually get through if the world goes into a recession or whatever else. And my buddy turns around and goes, do you not think there's a CFO in all of the other 5,000 biggest companies in the world who have exactly a similar plan and they'll get through it in the end, right? And my point about this is I'm not trying to convince you. What I'm trying to portray is is when we understand things a little bit better, sometimes it's massive and it's big and it's 5,000 companies. But when we bring it down to, if I owned a little bit of the restaurant, what would my problems be with it? My problems would be it's a bit minute and there's too many personalities involved. As the company gets bigger, there's more strategy and process and procedures and policies and everything else. And then you multiply it out. It's just not one company you're going into. It's 5,000 companies you're going into. So even if you just start to get your head around, it's just about understanding it. Companies are always going to go through bad times and good times. And it's about just trying to keep going with them so that you say, I know statistically, if I take my money and put it into a 60-40 portfolio and I leave it there for five years of my pension, I have a 99.6% chance of a positive return. Full stop. There's been no seven or more year period in the past where I would have lost money. What I'm saying is, is I totally accept that you're carrying some burden around pensions in your head around, I watched the pain that that person went through. I absolutely recognise and I don't want to feel that pain. There's a little bit of an element of you're cutting your nose off the spikes of your face. <laughs> Let me tell you why, right? The pension wasn't the problem. It was what the pension invested in was the problem. Do you agree with that? No, I do, because the, the particular person had other pensions. And so yes. at retirement age, you know, was fine. It wasn't like they had absolutely nothing because they were clever enough, I guess, to maybe be diverse with the different companies or whatever that they chose to have pensions with. Yes. And what I would say here is, is when you when you d- separate the two things between pension and the pension, what it's invested in, and then you say, OK, so it wasn't the pension structure. It was the underlying investment that caused the issue here. Then you can start opening your mind to put money into pension because we looked at you're turning 180 into 11 euro. If you put money into AVCs, it costs you six euros to put 10 euros in. OK, because the tax man will pay for it. and you're walking away from that. So what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to instead of using your before tax income to buy a property, for example, you're using your after tax income. So you're already been, if you're on the higher rate of tax, you're already been hit with 50%, right? Roughly, okay? So you have to make 200 quid to have 100 quid to put into the deposit for the house. So if you put that money into pension and the rules have changed for pensions in a couple of years, but if, I don't know if anyone's ever sat down and I don't know, you've mentioned your partner, right? I don't know if, what type of setup he's in, but for most people, but some people are excluded, but for a lot of people, you could actually take money, stick it into the pension, get tax relief on it, go buy a property, never pay capital gains tax on it when you sell it because the pension owns it and it's, it's tax free. And the rental income, you wouldn't have to pay tax on it either because it's going into the pension. Now, I'm not saying I'm a fan of that. I'm, I'm saying like, I, that's not for everyone. I'm far from it. But if you're dead set on going buying property, you should be investigating, looking at that and saying, OK, if I'm going to buy a property, why not buy it with my before tax income using my pension instead of my after tax income using my savings? It's still a property. I can still touch it and see it and smell it. There are rules around what properties you can buy. There are rules around your connection with it. But the point here is, is that what's happened for you is, is you've got burnt by someone else's experience and you're applying it across the board and you're making your financial life much harder on yourself. Does that make sense, Jackie? Because I'm rabbiting on here and I'm really (laughs) conscious. But what I would say is, is the message I'm hoping you're getting from this is, is this is not about the pension being the problem. This is about the way the pension was invested was the problem. I'm not saying the family member made that decision by themselves. I'm saying I would strongly suggest they were advised to put the money into whatever it went into. I'd strongly suggest that's what happened. And they took that advice. And where pensions go really, really wrong is 
when somebody buys bank shares in 2007 and the bank disappears, right? Or somebody buys into some type of project that just falls apart or the pension goes into something where fraudulent behaviour happens and there's court cases and everything else that come out of the back of it, right? So every time I look at pension problems, it's not the pension, it's the investment it went into. And that's why we are really simple and really boring when it comes to putting your money away, whether it's pensions or investments. And Jackie, what I would say to you is, is you have, I don't know what age you are, I can guess you have quite a number of years to go to retirement and you can make your financial life easy by doing it all from your before-tax income, getting the advice you need to get from someone who's really comfortable about giving it to you or you can make your life twice as hard because you have to pay 50% tax to be left with the 50% afterwards. Twice as hard for yourself financially. And it's going to be a rougher road. And it's going to be harder to get there. Yeah. Tell me what you're thinking when I'm saying all of this. You know what? I, I find it really interesting, actually, when you explain about the shares, that it's, you know, lots, lots of companies and you're taking a little small bite. I, I, it has never been explained to me like that before. And it makes it feel actually a lot clearer, but also somewhat in some sense a bit safer because it is a diverse amount you know it's not just all of your eggs if you will in one basket which I feel happened to my family member and so it does definitely feel a little bit more secure. Like there is zero doubt there is zero doubt that if you compare property to shares right buying a three-bedroom or four-bedroom property like all it takes is some social behaviours in the house next door or some other problems. And that property is devalued, right? And I'm, I'm trying to be very generic here, right? That property is completely devalued. You can't get it rented out. Or all it takes is the, a recession for a, a period or an oversupply of rental. I know that seems completely reversed from us, but we're talking about you buying a property now and having it all the way through your retirement. It's a long period of time and we'll go through different cycles. All of those things, when it's one property, like one you're now sitting going, that's a lot of risk. All it needs is a bad neighbour and I'm snookered and I've devalued my property. All I need, and I know it's long gone by, but it's not actually long. I was about to say like asbestos or all it needs is a mica situation. Like those people in Donegal in particular, and I know it's other places in the country, they're going through hell at the moment. And if that was their pension, they'd be saying, I wish I had to put it into shares. And when you all of a sudden then start going, okay, so I'm not going to invest in one company share. I'm not going to invest in five. I'm going to invest in 5,000 or 10,000. All of a sudden you have completely spread your risk out and it's significantly less risk. But not only that, I have clients who come to me in their late 50s in particular who would always come, often come to me and say, Owen, it's not that I want to know, is it the right thing to do to keep the, They already have property, let's say. I don't know. I don't want to know if it's the right thing to do financially to keep the property. I just want rid of it. I'm fed up with it. I just want it gone. I'm fed up with the phone calls to replace the fridge and I'm fed up. I just, I want my life to be easier in in later life. So is there anything else I could do with this money? I just want to make sure I can live my life the way I want to live it. And if I'm going to be worse off financially a little bit, as long as I can live my life the way I want to live it, I don't really care if it's going to be something coming off the bottom line at the end of it. So just be careful about the route you're going. That's all I'm saying. It is, if you dilute the risk dramatically, you're taking significantly less risk than any individual share, property, scheme, anything else, right? If you have a tiny bit of all the best businesses in the world, I'm not sure you can dilute your risk any further. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Can I ask you, Jackie, right? I'm not expecting that you will, I'll have changed your mind, but have I opened your mind to the idea of looking at alternatives? 
Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think, do you know what? There's probably a piece for me on the advice, you know, of going to someone to get the solid advice on the options that are out there. I think I, I've not done that bar through my employer and like that, we're just all kind of in a fund together. We can't flex it, but I've just said, Oh, pop me in whatever is the standard. Um, but I guess it's probably to, to gain the advice because even what you've said, I mean, I didn't know that. I just turned my nose up to the whole, you know, point of it and thought, Oh God, I don't want to risk my own money. And that's why when you sent, when we were talking back and forth at the weekend and you said, oh no, I haven't lost faith in pensions, I put my 3% in, but I wouldn't put it into AVCs. That's why I wanted to talk to you to see, can I actually do any convincing here? And I'm I'm comfortable enough we got somewhere. We're not, not over the line maybe just yet, but I think we've got somewhere with you. No, uh, no. And definitely for me, I think it's to, to gain the advice. Like it's, you know, it's not my forte. It's not what I do. So I'll probably just need to, yeah, to get a professional to tell me and explain it, you know, but that's super helpful. Jackie, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know it's time out of your day, but I appreciate it. And I'm no doubt the listeners will too. Thanks so much, Owen. Amanda, you're very welcome back. Didn't that work great when we said last week to give us really clear voice notes yeah. and yeah. just the texts are great, but voice notes is where it's at. And that's where you mm-hmm. get your chance to get your question. Voice note has a much better chance of getting a question here. Absolutely. How many questions have we got today? We have three. And haven't just said that one of them is going to be read out, isn't it? One of them <laughs> is going to be read out, but we had a lot of questions in for this particular topic, but a lot kind of fell in under the same kind of categories as what we're covering on the Q&A segment. So we should be covering it all in, in some aspects yeah. across podcast okay let's go for question one hey on um obviously had a question around the pensions i have just started a new job and i know you have seen before that you've said not to consolidate the pension from my old job so i'm wondering like do i just leave my old pension there and start a new pension and what would be the reason for that okay so actually this was one of those posts that i did during lockdown and Mm. i was out running and i was thinking about it i stopped and i put it up and then the typical the one that you're out running and you're sweaty and you're looking shite and that's the one that gets the most views (laughs) we must actually post that the day that this episode goes out let's post that um, one about this particular topic my problem with moving an old pension into a new pension when you leave a job you've got three options. The first option is to leave the pension where it is if they'll let you. Sometimes they'll force you to, to move it off somewhere else, right? If they're winding up the scheme in particular. The second option is, is to move it into your new company pension scheme. So your old job and your new job get put together. And the third option is, is that you put it into a buyout bond or a personal retirement bond. Just it's a pension bond in your own name. So leave it where it is, move it to your new job or move it into your own name. What you do is dependent on charges, right? But one of the things you're not going to ever do, you might leave it where it is or you might move it into your own name. And making that decision will be to do with charges and to do with fund choices. So what can you invest in? What you never do or what I don't believe makes sense ever is, actually, there's a challenge. If anyone says, no, this is where it makes sense. I'm still to come across a good rational reason as to why you'd move it into your new job. Okay. My problem with it is, is that moving it into your new job means you've now mixed the old job and the new job together. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're muddled up and you can never detach them again. You mm-hmm. can never separate them off. They're just, they have become one and that's it. Right. And when it comes to pensions, after the age of 50, you can access a pension that relates to a job that you're no longer in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you're working for company A and you leave and you go to company B and you hit 51 years of age and you're still working for company B, you can access the pension you created when you were in company A. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's never a good idea to access it, but if you need to, the option is there. Mm. The longer you can leave pensions closed, the better, right? Mm -hmm. So once you put the two of them together, the only way you're accessing that from 50 years of age onwards is if you leave company B. 
Okay. To me, financial planning is all about choices and keeping the options on your side of the table. There's no real advantage to putting them together. Like pensions are typically like 99.99% of the time, ordinary pensions, like an occupational pension scheme like they're talking about, is based on, the charges is based on percentages. Okay. So you're paying 1.5% of 100,000 is exactly the same charges as 1.5% of 50,000 and 50,000. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting any advantage by putting the two of them together. Some people might argue, well, what about if I lose it? Like, come on, just let's get some records together and don't lose it because you're you're really taking options off the table. So the reason why I don't look like putting them together is because when it comes to drawdown, you have more options. Even in normal retirement age, you hit 65 years of age, mm. you'll dip into pot B first and company B pension first and you'll work through that and you'll leave A closed or vice versa mm. for as long as you can because the longer you leave pensions closed, the better. Okay. Does that yeah. answer the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more so you're putting more restrictions on yourself if you choose to merge them together. Whereas I suppose you can access it that bit earlier. You can do whatever you want with it. And I know you're saying try leave it as, yeah. but you're giving yourself more options yeah. if you have a pension that's in a previous company and then yeah. you move on. Yeah. Financial planning is all about keeping your options on your side of the table. Yeah but not to the detriment of your finances. Mm-hmm. And this is a really clear cut. Leave it where it is or move it into a bond in your own name. There's no advantage to put it into the new company. Okay. Go for question two. Yep. I work part-time. I earn about 18,000 a year. My husband works full-time. He earns about 60,000 a year. We also have a rental property that we would have a rental income from and we put what's called maybe the extra income out of that, put it through my husband's work. Um, He pays extra into his pension. So my question is, I have no pension and any extra money we have, we put it through my husband's pension through his work. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Because I have no pension, because I'm not earning a huge amount, we do it through his because he's on the higher tax bracket, so we get more back on tax. But I'm wondering, how does that affect me in the long run? Thank you. So a lot on there, isn't there? Yeah. Really what I would see there, there's a couple of things, if we kind of unbundle that, Mm. right? First of all, she's on 18,000, he's on Mm 60,000. She's probably paying little or no tax. At 18,000 euros, her tax credits are probably covered and she's paying little or no tax. The first rule is put money into, you put money into a pension because you get tax relief. If you're not yeah. getting, if you're not paying tax. If you're not reaching that point, yeah. there's no point. Absolutely. In yeah. Into yeah. There's, no, there's yeah. no point in putting money into a pension. You put money into a pension, one of the reasons is to get tax relief. If you've not got any tax, there's nothing to be relieved from. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore, it doesn't make sense to put it in. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the first point it would make. The second point I would make, though, there's rental income in the background for that person. Yeah. So it's possible that maybe the property is entirely in his name and her husband's Mm. name and therefore none of the rental income falls to her. But let's say it's 20 grand a year in rental income and 10,000 of it's going to her. Mm. That means that 10,000 gets added to her 18,000 and she might be paying tax. Yeah, yeah. Now, unless the rent is ridiculous, she's probably never going to hit the higher rate of tax um, Mm -hmm. unless she's getting 50% of the rent is a huge amount. But one of the things she should be considering there, and this is tax advice, so I'm a financial planner, not a tax planner. So just she could look at if particularly if there's no mortgage on it, it's much easier. But it might be an option to move that rental property into Into, just her name because she can get up to 42,000 euros a year at the lower rate of tax. Her husband's mm. getting paid all of the rental income he's getting in off that property is going to be subject to the higher rate of tax. Yeah, Does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah, I'm getting yeah. a bit complicated. So if there was a way, if there's no mortgage, it'll be much easier. If there is a mortgage, the bank will have to agree to it where you just put the property entirely in her name and now she has her 18,000 a year plus all of the rental income. And unless the rental income is more than 24 grand a year, 
she's going to pay it all at standard rate of tax. Yeah. So that's one of the things she should consider. So on the face of it, you're looking at it going, okay, if if she's not paying higher rate tax, utilize all the husbands, which is what she's doing, all the husbands higher rate tax. But there is another element that you need to consider. And I don't think it would depend on what way salaries go over the next couple of years for both of them as a couple mm. and depends on what how much the rental income is. But if I have a couple with one of them has 1.6 million in a pension, that's not as good as having a couple with each of them having 800,000 each in their pensions. Okay. okay? Yeah. So oh, let's just go for the generic husband and wife, 800 grand each is better than husband having 1.6 million. And the reason for that is, is the maximum tax-free lump sum you can get out of your pension is 200,000 euros. Okay, so a husband with 1.6 million, I know I'm being very generic here, right? Mm -hmm. A husband with 1.6 million will take 400,000 out, 25% of the pot. The first Mm -hmm. 200,000 will be tax free. The next 200,000 will be taxed at 20%. So we now have a 40 grand tax bill on that. Whereas a husband and wife with 800,000 each are both getting 200 grand out tax free. You have to weigh that up. You have to decide, okay, it's not worth it if I'm not getting the tax relief on the way in. But just watch that over time, watch the relationship yeah, with the rental yeah. income and try and decide where we're going and be mindful of the fact that you both have an allowance of up to 200,000 tax free yeah. coming out at the end. So re-evaluate yeah. as salaries change and also for that particular scenario, try to get the rental income into her name, her name we, for we, tax. I do remember having a, having a client and I made this suggestion to them. So they had their own home and they had another property and the other property, and, and if they're listening, I'm sure they'll laugh, they'll laugh at this, right? But the other property was in his name and he was on the higher rate of tax and she had no income in her name, right? Okay. And so she wasn't using her tax credits at all. Yeah. And I said, well, if you put that property into just her name, Mm-hmm. then all the rental income will go to her. And this is how you use the tax system. Like yeah, there's, no, yeah, yeah. There's, this is, there's no problem with doing this stuff, right? And I put it all into her name, go and get some tax advice, put the property into her name. All the rental income comes in in her name now. And in that case, they, were, they, w- they would have no tax liability on the rental income now because they just use her tax credits towards it. And about six months later, they were back in the office and we were having a chat. I said, oh, how did that get on? Did you do it? Yeah, we did that actually. Great. We got it sorted out. Tax advice was right. We've got the legal and it's great. And he turned around and she goes, yeah, it's great. We have a house each now. And she goes, no, 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 no. I have a house and a half. <laughs> so, yeah. so just be careful. Like, yeah, if, yeah. Maybe don't let your husband hear that. If that quest, the person who questioned it, don't let your husband hear the end of the story. But maybe look at getting some tax advice and getting some legal advice about putting it into your name and maybe using some more of your tax credits yeah. and your, your standard right tax threshold. Mm-hmm. We go for another one. Yeah. So the final one is one, and you've kind of touched on it a bit. It's one that came in through text. The question is, how much tax do we actually save on pensions, considering we still pay tax on the way out? Okay, the tax relief on pensions is fairly straightforward. We can earn now, it's up to, what is it after this current budget? From the 1st of January, it's 40,000 this year. From the 1st of January, I think it's 42,000 or 40, 41, yeah, it's around, I think it's 42. Yeah, yeah. 42,000. Mm-hmm. So up to 42,000 euros a year, we spend, we pay 20% tax. Yeah. Over 42,000 euros a year, we pay 40% tax. Mm-hmm. I'm only talking about income tax. Forget about PRSI and USC for a second. So if you're on 40 grand a year and you put 10 grand into a pension, you will get 20% tax relief on that. So it'll cost you 8,000 euros to put 10,000 euros in. Yeah. Okay. Now there's limits to what you can put in, but just let me keep the math simple. Yeah, yeah. If you're on 40 grand a year, you're paying tax 20%, you put 10 grand in, it'll cost you 8,000 euros to put 10,000 euros in because you'll pay 2,000 euros mm-hmm. less in tax, 20%. Mm-hmm. If you're on 50 grand a year and you put 10,000 euros in, right? And let's assume from the 1st of January, mm-hmm. your threshold is 42,000. You will actually get 40% relief on 8,000 of it yeah. and 20% relief on 2,000 of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're on 60,000 euros a year, 
and you put 10,000 euros in, you'll get it all at 40%. If you're getting it all at 40%, it's costing you 6,000 euros to put 10,000 euros into your pension because you write a check for 10,000 euros and you pay 4,000 euros less in tax. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the first benefit from a pension perspective. You can turn six grand into 10 grand. The second benefit is, though, when it's in there, it grows tax free. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Mm. you make a profit, the interest comes in, you don't have to pay any tax on that. So it's growing tax free Mm -hmm. and the compound effect on that is quite heavy. It can Mm. be really advantageous. And then finally, you hit retirement. And there's a couple of different ways you can draw down the pension. But the general way that's been used in the last 10, 15 years or so is is you take 25% of whatever's in the pot. So let's imagine you build it up to keep the math simple, a million euro. You Mm. get 25% of the pot, 250,000 euros comes out as your lump sum. The first 200,000 of the lump sum is taxed at 0%. Okay. The next 300,000 of any lump sum is taxed at 20%. Okay. Okay. So in that case, we have a million in the pot. You're taking 20, sorry, 250,000 out as a lump sum, 200,000 tax free, 50 grand at 20%. So you end up with 240,000 euros of a lump sum tax paid. Okay. Is that making yeah, sense? Yeah, You're yeah, with me because yeah. I know there's a lot of figures. Mm. You now still have the other 750 grand sitting on the side and that goes into another account. And when it sits in the other account, when you take money out of that, it is subject to income tax. And how much income tax you're going to pay is actually the exact same rules we're talking about already. The first 42,000 of any withdrawals or of your total income for the year, including the withdrawals for this, are going to be at 20%. You get tax credits. It's the exact same rules okay. apply. So what people often get caught up in is, oh, sure, I have to pay tax. I'm getting tax relief in the way in, but I'm yeah, paying tax yeah, yeah. in the way out. Lots of people end up in a position where... Like when I said a million euro there a minute ago, people might have been sitting, sitting at home listening to this going, who's ever going to have a million euro in their pension? Yeah. If you think about it, you, you take 4% a year out of your pension, that 750 grand that's left over, you only take 4% a year out of that. That's what government force you to do. If you don't take 4% a year out, they're going to tax you as if you did. Okay, so you're going right. to get hit okay. with income tax. Okay, so you'd ha- you have yeah. to but think about take it. 4%. Keep the, the, the math simple. If you had a million euro left in your pension pot yeah. after taking your lump sum, 4% of that is 40 grand a year. You're still only paying tax at 20%. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So most also, people are paying 20% tax on the way out. And if you're only getting 20 grand a year out of it, your tax credits are probably going to cover most of it. You're going to pay zero tax on it. And I've crunched these numbers so many mm. times. And actually, Amanda, I think that's something we should probably do some type of graphic on for, for mm-hmm. Instagram that we show this is how much you're getting on the way in, this is how yeah, much you're getting yeah, on the yeah. way out. Yeah. I'm putting you under pressure now. You're going to have to do that one. Um, <laughs> but I do think it, it's one of these things... That's a very complicated, convoluted journey, financial kind of math journey I've just brought everyone on. Yeah. The point I would make about this is I have crunched these numbers for 20 plus years, right? I've been doing this for years. There is no better way for an employee to save their before tax income for their retirement. Yeah. Full stop. The tax flush is true and it still works. Mm. You get tax relief on the way in. Yes, you pay tax on the way out. But you know what? The tax you're paying on the way out is more often than not considerably less. And even where you do still pay it, if you are paying it all at the higher rate of tax, you still have to take the tax-free lump sum into account and the tax-free growth into account. This is not a broken system. They're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. The reason why government make this so, why they try and incentivize everyone to do this is because when you're 76 years of age, if you're okay financially because you've got a decent pension, because you've got the tax relief along the way in, 
you are easier on the state in terms of how much costs them that they have to put towards you. Mm. You're still a voter at 76. You still need to use the public services. But if you've got some of your own funds, some of the other things, you're less reliant on the state. And that's what they're trying to get you to. Yeah. There's nothing else going on here. Like there's no conspiracy theory around, oh, it's just a trick. This is what it is. They're trying to dip it. That's not the case. Pensions are there. So governments have an easier time with you when you're 76 and 78 and 88 years of age and you're not relying on them as much. Makes sense? Yeah. Long answer, but I think it yeah, definitely made made sense and is worth it just like it's 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 worth it no matter what way you look at it. Yeah. And sometimes people I think can compare like for like and forget about that growth period in between as yeah. well. The tax free growth yeah. is massive. Yeah. Like yeah. that makes a massive difference. Oh absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the questions for this week. Any call outs this week, Amanda? Anything you want to say to the listeners? Thanks so much for everyone who is submitting their questions. We still have a bank of questions, is what I will say. Um but we're always looking for more on loads of different topics. Do keep an eye out on the Instagram for specific topics that we are looking for for, say, the next week recording. And if you do have a question that you'd like to submit, the number is 87 That's 87-291-0507. And if I want my question answered, what's the best way of trying to get it answered? Is it to send it to you by text, Amanda? WhatsApp is the best way short voice note something that we can get to okay so I have a much better chance yeah. that my question is going to be answered if I send a voice note as voice opposed note, to a text yeah. appreciate you guys I know it takes a few minutes to do these things but hopefully you're getting something out of it and we yeah. have got some great guest suggestions we've got some lots of people some of the mm. suggestions for people who want to come on yeah. is great and we will get to them we just need to fit them into the right topic on the right week Yeah. thanks Amanda thank you So we're coming to the end of what was the pensions episode. What I'm hoping you've got your head around throughout this episode is the pensions are just savings policies. They're savings policies with huge incentives from the government to try and get you to save. I'm also hoping that what you're getting from it is the fact that things can go wrong with pensions, but actually it's often, it's not often, it's the advice is the problem. It's the investment decisions that are made that are the problem. And actually, if we can just get over that, we won't cut our noses off despite our face. Pensions are there. They're to be used. You should be using them. You are making life much harder on yourself if you're not using the pension legislation in your favour. You can make a choice. Do you want to save with your before-tax income for your retirement or do you want to save with your after-tax income for retirement? That's your choice, but you're making life, if you're on higher rate of tax, you're making life twice as hard for yourself. Use the rules. They're there to be used. And answer yourself this question. Forget about what pensions are going to do for you in retirement. What is it that they're going to do for you today is actually more important for us. Putting money into a pension reduces the tax bill that you have to pay today. Do you want to pay more tax this year than you need to? Because if you do, don't bother putting any money into a pension. If you want to pay less tax than you need to, then do put money into your pension. It's as simple as that. There's one or two things we didn't get to in this episode, and I'm just going to cover them off now. This myth that my pension dies with me. Actually, this came up on Instagram over the weekend. It was a question that was asked. What happens to your pension when you die? The majority of people have this pension pot when they retire. And whether it's pre-retirement or post-retirement, if you die, the entire pot goes to your estate. That's what happens. And the estate, the will decides this is where it's going to go. 
There's a very small number of people have what's called a defined benefit pension or maybe they're public sector workers and they have an income coming in instead of having a pot, they have an income coming in every month. When that person dies, if they're in retirement when they die or actually pre-retirement if they die, what happens is is typically two-thirds of the income they were getting will go on to their spouse or 50% of the income they were getting will go on to their spouse. It doesn't die with them, it just reduces. And when the spouse dies, it dies then. And this is a question people often are weighing up. Is it better to have an income or a pot? The answer to that question lies very simply in, tell me when you're going to die and I can tell you which one's better for you. Because if you're going to live for a long time, the income's a much better option. But if you're you're not going to live for a long time, get all your money into your pot now. Spend as much of it as you can and when you die, it all goes to the estate. Either way, their choices to be made at retirement and their times that you should be getting advice. Pensions don't die with you. They might reduce or the pot goes to your estate. But also... Let's just try and get away from this narrative that pensions are bad. They're just savings plans. I've said it time and time again today. They're just savings plans with decent tax incentives because the government want to incentivize you to look after yourself financially in your old age so they don't have to. Thanks for listening. This was Understanding Money. This was the pensions one. I am Owen McGee. I really appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen. I really appreciate the follows. The whole team enjoys watching the follower numbers go up. So please hit that follow button so you can be notified every Wednesday morning. Don't forget, it's a whole pile of content and longer version interviews up on YouTube. Thanks again. I'll be talking to you next week.